cliffcentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the cliffcentral.com website where there's a show for you. Central.com. It is Friday morning, sex talk with John T. Searle and some really important and really special guests in the studio with us. Good morning, Tamar. I'm not the important person, but good morning, John T. Thank you. You are important to me. That is wonderful. Thank you. You are important to me, too. Thank you. So now we've finished our mutual admiration club for... No, first I need to tell you how beautiful you are and how gorgeous you look. But yeah, basically, yeah. Thank you. It's love. It's love. It's love. What can I say? Love is real. It's love. It is indeed. Love is real. So two very special guests that I've actually known for a while to say hello to. And a couple of weeks ago at Sexpo, we actually sat down and had a really interesting chat. Major Karen Holmes, good morning. Good morning, uh, Jonti. You have Damar. to talk really close to yeah, the mic. Good morning um, to yes. you, Damar and Jonti, and all the listeners. And Major Margie Stafford. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. Thank you. And I really appreciate you guys coming to talk about this. Pleasure. So this show came about because... At Sexpo, for the past couple of years, the Salvation Army has had a stand there. And you have this amazing font of people. And my connection with that is interesting because my daughter was involved in designing that. Wow. So I knew about it before Sexpo. She told me that she was involved in it. And I saw you guys and I'd walk past your stand and I'd say hello. And that was kind of it. And I never really knew the extent of this issue in South Africa. And we did an interview for a few minutes at Sexpo. And the extent of human trafficking and slavery in South Africa, it staggered me. And I was absolutely speechless with this. The idea of people as commodity is I can't get my head around that. It just it's this totally foreign idea. I know it's been part of our world for so long. But the fact that it exists and probably more than ever in a greater quantity due to organization and technology and so many things and that's what we are talking about this morning and it's horrific there's no you can't you run out of words adjectives superlatives to describe this how did the salvation army get involved in this can i go take you back to like the 1800s yes in, please in victorian england yes the age of consent was, um, I think, 12 at that time. And the Salvation Army started to talk about we need to lift this age of consent up. Um, we wanted it to be lifted up to 18. So what happened… The age as, of sexual consent. Yes. Okay. So what ha- actually happened was a, um, a lady from a brothel got tremendously saved. And she said to William Booth, I want to tell you that there are children being sold on the streets of England. And um, nobody believed her. But it was all set up with a, a, a reporter from the Paul Moore Gazette. And they went along and they bought a young lady for the pr- uh, princely sum of like five pounds. And in her, those days, that was a lot of money. Of course. And her name was Eliza Armstrong. And they took Eliza Armstrong and they sent her across to France. And then they went to Parliament and they showed the receipt of payment mm. for this little girl. Plus, they'd had this huge, big uh, petition drawn up. Took the whole uh, row of Congress, I mean, of of Parliament, and then eventually they decided, no, we'll definitely act. And they had um, they they introduced an act immediately, and arrested the Paul Moore Gazette guy and uh, Bramwell Booth from the Salvation Army as the two people that were the first arrested on this act 
because they made it illegal for you to buy and sell children. And the only reason why it was illegal was because they had not obtained the permission of the child's father. Hmm. So we were able to change a few rules and laws. The age of consent went up to 16. Um, and, and from there on, we've just, we've just rolled along with this thing. We have never stopped talking about anti, um, human hmm. trafficking. But just before the 2010 um, soccer thing, we had a huge, big national uh, um, look at what's happening at, with human trafficking around huge sporting events. And so we had um, a lot of things happening around that time. And that's when the Salvation Army really started to do a lot of concerted effort um, against the trafficking of people. Hmm. So please message us with your questions. Uh, our WhatsApp number zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero. If if you've had any experience with this, um, and it's an international scourge, you know, since since I started talking about it, the stories that I've heard about people, especially going to some of the Middle Eastern countries to to Dubai, you know, passports taken away, where people are going as au pairs. That's right. And, and put into slavery. Just, so just now, a few a few weeks ago, there was a story for, with a mm. man uh, traveling with a young lady that she was trying to send signals in a, in an airplane mm. to the stewardess, and that's how they realized that she's actually being yeah they rescued her yeah they rescued yeah. her yeah. yeah but that's only one story exactly yeah. so, and Mexico tip of the iceberg in terms of mm. what's happening around the world. Do you have any idea how many people are in slavery? You know, there, there's huge numbers being bandied mm. about, and there's uh, always somebody that's going to say, what a lot of rubbish. Mm. That's You know, I, I just always take people back. Do you remember when we first started talking about HIV and AIDS? Yes. We had huge numbers, and everybody was saying, ah, oh, what a lot of rubbish. People are just sucky. You just want funds and all the rest of it. When numbers started coming, and we started to collate, and we started to get real data, we were nowhere near the extent. We, we had so underestimated what was going on and I think it's exactly the same with us we at the moment let's just say somebody gets found now today in our country and they get taken to a police station there is no code to say this is a traffic victim there's a whole process she's got to be go through a whole interview thing and then we decide is this a trafficking victim or isn't this a trafficking victim by that stage she's gone through secondary victimization and all sorts hmm. of things and sometimes they don't even know they're a victim. So when we talk in numbers, they, they bandy about stuff like 27 million. I have no idea. Mm. And I don't think the world has any idea. But I do know the extent of human nature is that where there's profit to be made yeah. is somebody that will sell. Yeah. That's the simple truth. You know, there was an interesting thing said once that, and I don't remember who said it, there is no end to human perversity. That's right. Simple Just when truth. you think you've got you, you, you can, human race cannot go any lower. Yeah. Oh yes, we do. We manage we absolutely, manage. and we do it fantastically. With a plum. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah, we do. It's a sad thing, but we do. So there's different kind of avenues of this because yeah. there's sex slavery, yes, and then there's kind of labour slavery, for want of a better yeah. word. I don't know what else to call it. In, in according to the World um, Slave Index. Hmm. South Africa has got more um, people in slavery as on a labor level than they do in the sex level. And um, the only reason why we can talk on the sex level mm. is because that, that's the area that we've really yeah. been involved in. But we do know that in South Africa, for example, they, they rescued a whole lot of Bangla, um, Bangladeshi men um, that were enslaved on a, on a farm. Then, they, then you hear about some Pakistani people being um, held and then the guys in Newcastle, 72, rescued out of a factory. So it is definitely high, and it's not policed very clearly. Where are these people coming from who are slaves? South Africa is three things. South Africa is a destination country. So we have slaves coming from all over the world into South Africa. So people in South Africa are buying people. A hundred percent, right? And then we ha we are a transit country. So... Slaves are coming in via South Africa to somewhere else. From around the world? From around the world, but also mainly from Africa. Yeah. So we're almost like, you know, the distribution center kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we have um, slaves that are actually born and bred in South Africa and sold out. They're so born they're, and bred to be slaves? Some are. Some are. Um, ha as horrific as that sounds, some are born from 
from baby up, they taught how to please a man. They taught how to do whatever they need to do. Um, just a little while ago, Dr. Phil had somebody on his show that was a young girl that was born into slavery. And she's been at some of the top parties and everything around the world. And she's only just been rescued out of this thing. And the stories she's telling are horrific. Yeah, I saw it in the in BBC. Mm. Yeah. So she was all her life. Yeah, all her life. That's right. Her mother else. sold it as a baby. Mm. That's right. Mm. If this is happening in South Africa, what controls are there? What laws there? What are our government and police force doing with this? We have an act. We have a really good act. Um, it came out in um, 2013. It was only really ratified in 2015. It's still, there's still some policy drafts going around. So not everybody is on board with this thing, but there, there's definitely a lot more, um, emphasis from government side to try and get this thing going. Mm. It's just, it's almost like waking up a dinosaur. And, um, you know, when you start to recognize that there's lots of things you've got to put in place, huh? Mm. Exit strategies. You've got to have something. If we've got a girl caught in sex trafficking and she's been prostituted since, let's say, since the age of 15, she was abducted at 15. She's been on the street for four years. We go out with this amazing white horse kind of idea. We're going to rescue these girls. Mm. We're going to take, what is step two? Yes. Where do you put them? We put them in a, in South Africa, we put them in a shelter for domestic violence. Mm. But what happens after that? That's 90 days. And they're not getting specific treatment for a – they're going to be part of a program. They're going to be – Do we have that in place, that kind of program? We do. We have for, – for domestic violence, we do. We have a number of shelters. And so because it's such an erratic thing that we don't always just go out and find victims of trafficking, we don't have a single center that's just dedicated just to um, – a victim of mm. human trafficking. So, and even a girl, let's just take a, a prostitute that wasn't trafficked, but wants to exit. We've got nothing in place where we can actually help these exit strategies happen. And I often say that the way you get out, you need to find out how did you get in. Mm. And then we can talk back and start to build up from that point to where you can actually leave and, and live a productive life. Because I would imagine that after somebody has been in that space, as a human, they're pretty destroyed. They're totally dependent on, on outside factors yeah. and what they might know of the world, very yeah. limited. How do they actually find themselves again and then some place in, in society? Exactly. You know, there was a research done, and um, this research indicated that a girl that has been trafficked has been abused on every level that you mm -hmm. can imagine. Her um, uh, anxiety levels or her post-traumatic stress disorder level is actually worse than that of somebody that has been in a, a prisoner of war in a civil war kind of setting. Yeah, because maybe they had a meaning, they had a values, they had, exactly. you know, they fought for something, they can yeah. go exactly. back to that, but what can she go back to? Exactly. Yeah. There's exactly. nothing inside. There's, yeah. You know, that's really fascinating because Viktor Frankl's whole form of therapy is, is based on, on logotherapy, is based on somebody having meaning as being exactly. one of the most essential tools of survival. Exactly. So when you break that, yeah. Yeah. and when you destroy that, what do you have? And and also, you know, we we can take all the prostitutes off the street, but how do I take a prostitute out of your heart, mm. out of your inner person? You know, you've got to do that, and that's hard work. Mm. You need something to really re yeah, rehabilitate. You need a real, yeah. Uh, yeah. A full program from so many different um, disciplines and that's aspects right. of, of that's humanity. Right. That's right. To do that, there's physical, mental, emotional, because, spiritual, yeah, everything. Because they've been disconnected from their families, from their culture, right. from their and women, from themselves, from themselves like, of course. But we are also reflection, hmm. so they have nothing to reflect of, reminds them anything of. Something we just spoke briefly about it before the show. Something feminine, something nurturing, something it's And it's I would imagine violence and fear are an enormous part of this. Yeah, and also to break down this cultural idea that she's dirty. Yeah. She wants to be there, she's making all the money, she's stealing our men. Hello. That is something that is even more soul destroying yeah. to try and break down that um that stigma. That's attached to the girl that stands on the corner. So this is, it's total control of another person. 100%. On absolutely every level. 
So of the money that's charged, do they actually get any of that? Some of the girls that we rescued and we put into our shelter um, were telling us that they were getting 35 rand a day, which paid for um, a meal. But you've got to think of what kind of meal. And also the Thai girls that we rescued, um, they had a little black book. So they thought they were coming out here to do hair and restaurant work and ended up in a brothel in the south of Johannesburg. Oh. So they get out, they get out of it. They bring their black book, and in the black book, charged to them is like their airfare, their clothing, rent. So let's just say they have a, um, a debt of eighty four thousand rand. Mm. So every time they they service a client, there's a there's a like five thousand rand um, credit mm. to them. But every day they're sick. Let's just say they're having their menstrual cycle. So. When they're sick, they cannot work. Four or five days. So then they get fined 5,000 rand a day. So, so what you basically balance. You, you don't even. You never get out of debt. Mm. Never get out of debt. And what happens eventually, because at some point I would imagine they're not able to function in the way that they're kind of employed to function. You know, I um, when we worked in Pretoria among some of the really – the girls that were on the streets, we went and chatted to them, gave them little gifts, just loved on them. Mm. And the one, some of the pimps used to call me mommy. The one guy phoned me and he said, you must come fetch Tina. She's very, very sick. It's not her real name, but anyway. So I went. She had sexually transmitted diseases so badly that she couldn't walk. But they would sit her on a chair outside the brothel and there were still men that wanted to have sex with her because of the screams and because of the way that she behaved. Mm. When they were penetrating her So I pick up this girl And I literally I could pick her up She was she weighed about 28 kilograms She was wasting away I take her to a hospital The hospital says no there's a clinic for them I don't want to treat them Until I throw all my toys out the cot Then they put her in a ward And she was really sick She had TB She had full blown AIDS She was really really ill We took her back eventually to our shelter We looked after her She went into a hospice they treated her. They loved her. She came back after a year. and Now, she spent a year in treatment. After a year, they, she came back to us. And we looked after her. We actually set her up in a little shop until the next-door neighbor said to us, listen, there's something going on here. There's men in and out of the shop. She had started her own business there. And I, the more we're saying, why do you go back to a world that nearly killed you? And she said, it was the one thing that I knew I could do. Hmm. So what do you, you know, the exit strategies need to be really, really in place. They're going to be expensive. People have got this idea that she wants to be there in the first place. And there's not as much money thrown at getting her out as there Mm. was thrown at getting her in. In. Yeah. You know what it affirms for me? It's, it, it is a really sad affirmation of, One of the principles of the healing work that I do is the patterns that we work on and how deeply ingrained they become. And for me, in my work, it's such a different level to this. You know, it's about people who are in unhappy and unfulfilled and sometimes abusive relationships. It's people who are not having orgasms. It's people who are not having the pleasure that they could have. But I see the principle is exactly the same of the patterns that we live with and the conditioning. And no matter how little something serves us, we will go where we know until we change those patterns. And even on that level, it's such a difficult thing to do. And when you think of somebody who has been absolutely destroyed in that way, how much harder that must be to do that. Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's what I'm saying. So we, I can take her off the street mm. and we can really build into her life and we can love in her and we can change even the way she looks at people. But until I can take that core out, until we can change that in, inner being yeah. and make her understand that she doesn't have to sell herself. I mean, some of the girls tell me stories. I was in Port Elizabeth chatting to one of the prostituted women and, um, and I call them prostituted women. I don't call them prostitutes. Mm. I think they've, sometimes the choice is taken away. So this young girl had to t- go to hospital because her John, for the want of a better word, had put a, a coke tin up her vagina just to see how high it could go. 
and it got stuck. So, and, and, and she was just saying to me, that's kind of, you don't know. You don't know from one guy to the next. And even that in itself for some of the girls was an adrenaline rush. The fact that you don't know, am I going to make it through tonight or am I not? Mm. One of the young girls was a mother of two. She tries to get home from her night out on the street by about three o'clock. So she rents a little room at the back of somebody else's house so that the guy that she rents from doesn't see her coming in because if he sees her coming in, he wants more money. So what do you do? You know, you don't want that for your child. And in Port Elizabeth, there are 24-hour creches where these girls can put their children, you know. So society is, is sort of bending to this. Let's, so let's see how we, can, how we can help them, but, of course, make a little bit of money on the side. Hmm. Yeah, the depth of, of depravity. I don't know what – there's no other hmm. – it's beyond words for this. How long has this been – in South Africa – how long has it been since this became or the growth of this industry for want of a better word? No, I think it's always been there. I just think we put in a bit of a, a spotlight on it. Okay. So, and I think the spotlight came on just before the 2010. But it's been there the whole time it's been there. Um, I don't think it's Under ever. our previous government. And, uh, oh, for sure. This, so it was never any oh, different. Oh, for sure. No. And it was always a blind eye was turned. Well, you know, it's expensive. If you start to recognize a problem, you've got to put money to it. So let's ignore it. You know, in this country, we have prosecuted a number of prostitutes, but we have never prosecuted a John. Mm. Never once. So something is skew. And the people who are running these, are they ever caught? Yeah, they're caught. And lately we've been seeing prosecutions, Mm. which is great, like life sentences, three, four life sentences. The pastor... Um, in Port Elizabeth, it was caught just a little while ago. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of girls now coming out and saying what he's been doing. I mean, hello. So we, we're getting there. We are definitely mm. getting more more prosecutions. The United Nations, United States has a what they call a tip report, a trafficking in persons report. They They issue it every year. And then they judge countries based on three things, protection, prosecution, and uh, prevention. How does the country do on those three yeah. levels? South Africa is a tier group two, and we, in other words, we've been watched. We're not great. We're getting there. We're starting to see prosecutions. Yeah. But the numbers are ridiculously low compared to what we actually know mm-hmm. when we walk out on the streets and we chat and we talk. There's a there's a lady in Hilbra that works and takes children off the streets. So stories will will break your heart how prostitutes sometimes leave their kids at Shabins. that a little child by the time it's like seven eight months old has already been sexually violated and so the cycle just continues yeah that's that's, that's something we've and, learned yeah. very well here cycles just continue that it's just that. it's it's yeah. re- recycling itself yeah. and that's something that is very what resources bad. do the police throw at this i don't know i'm not a policeman but all i can tell you is that i run a helpline yeah. so um, I have some of the top guys on um, board, and I can contact one or two guys from the Hawks. What is the helpline? Sorry, is that the 422? No, no. it's 08000. 08000? 7-3-7-2-8. We'll put all okay. these contact details mm-hmm. up on our on our social media. Okay, so that's, I run that line, and I, I can get a phone call. A, a guy will say there's a tip-off. There's been some guys smuggled in from another country. I can give it to Hawks, and, and then I can hold them accountable because mm. I sit on a thing called the Rapid Response um, Team, and we look at these things that come in from these helplines and these tip-offs, so we can hold each other accountable. So I do know there's some really good guys out there. I do know there's some really ridiculously mm. stupid guys out there that uh, that take money and tip-offs and everything. So, Yeah, and that's become the way of the world, unfortunately. How are these people brought into the country? The, the, there's various, there's various ways um, for them to, to do this. Um, plane, yeah. I mean, the, the guys that traffic uh, will buy the plane ticket. And make sure that by boat, um, South Africa is surrounded by borders. Yeah. And so it's easy for, for these so guys, they come in trucks. I mean, just a few months ago, I think Margie, the, the girls that, the children that was found in, uh, in the truck in Potchefstroom, 
Klerkstorp. Uh, so border control is yeah. very lax. So, so yeah, absolutely. And paying a little bit. Uh, you know, how does a, a truck full of yeah, um, children come through three borders, international borders, international borders, without anybody seeing anything? So uh, you know, so yeah, uh, the sky's the limit as to how they ship. You know, I mean, we really make it very easy for yeah. any for any b- country to 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 have an entrance into our country. There's that a lot of grey borders as well, you know, that are not well policed. Mm. So we get a lot of guys um, coming across, and it's always the chance of a better life that mm. sort of sparks this thing off. You know, they sell them an idea. Mm. So you're yes. going to somewhere better. There's going to yeah. be a job yes. there. Going to yeah. be some yeah. infrastructure. You can make money. You can yeah. send money home. Mm, that's a big yeah. thing. So you've spoken quite a lot about women in the sex trade. Are young boys subjected to something similar? Very, very much, and it's getting more and more. Um, we've got a lot of men on our streets. Uh, not just young boys. We've got men on our streets hustling. Um, and prostitution isn't just a female thing anymore. Mm. And uh, just in the south of Johannesburg, there was an 11-year-old little boy. So there's, it's getting, you know, the level of um, depravity, as you mm. were saying, it just shocks me. Um, you know, hand in hand with all of this go a lot of other stuff, like the pornography stuff that we're starting to see the police working on. And is cases. that being produced in South Africa? Some of that is being produced in South Africa. Some of it's just been disseminated in South mm. Africa, but a lot of it is being produced. And the, the money involved in some of these things, um, it's just unbelievable. But I, I, I'm very happy to say that we've seen some good prosecutions on that level. But it's that kind of. That kind of thing that we're allowing, um, like for some some reason, they're telling me that even Neisner could be like a pedophile haven, you know, come and, and, and there's sex tourism as well, that you can come and, and have sex with whoever you want, you just know, tell us your order. In the past, that's only been in Thailand exactly. and in other parts of the world that have nothing to do with South Africa. But it's coming, and it's here, it's here in all its forms, and... Um, you know, the level of violence even um, mm. that prostituted women are facing and men are facing, it's quite horrific. So, yeah, incredible fear in that as well. Yes. And I'm sure that this is very linked to drugs, to the drug it's trade. It's linked yeah. to everything, even the rhino trade. Mm. Mm. It's li- once One of the common denominators is this organized crime idea. Mm. And when we think about that, we think about this huge, big, like, mafia type thing. And about yeah, just before the 2010, we were told there's over 500 known syndicates working in South Africa, and that was 2010. So we can probably double that number now. So instead of having a huge organised crime dealing with all of these cases, you've got um, old Pete Ferreira is going to start his little thing there, and he's going to control 15 over here, but he'll get protection from this guy. So it's like you've got all of these. Tiny little stuff happening all of Parliament mm. smuggling and all of that are happening all over. Another a country will come in and build roads, bring its workers, but it'll also bring its girls for the workers. Then when the roads built, they don't go home. So everything, you know, it's we really are and what's happening also is that we've got cheaper. So in the transatlantic slave um Debacle. You could buy somebody for like, let's say, ten thousand dollars. Now you can buy somebody for five hundred rand. So we've humankind has decided that we're actually worth less because mm. we're how, expendable. How, how is it possible to sell a person for five hundred rand? I, they're expendable, and exactly. as soon as you need to get rid of them, and as soon as they're done, you'll yeah. find another one or get yes, another exactly. one. Exactly. Exactly. You can take them for nothing. I mean, you can. Just, you know, what's happening, we've got a, a, an idea of recruitment for human trafficking. So a guy will work with a girl for up to six months, befriend her, buy her stuff, and make sure that she's comfortable with him, start alienating her from her family so that she's angry with her mother and father all the time, start saying to her, well, let's go away together. Eventually, this whole thing is, he's just a pimp. And he's going to sell her off. The minute he gets emotionally involved, he sells her so that he doesn't have that emotional attachment. And we know those things are happening. We've had girls that have been phoned by their best friends from school. Come to Pretoria. We've got a job here. They stay stuck in Bloemfontein. They don't know what to do. They haven't got a job. Come up here. 
And what happens? They end up being prostituted. So it's there, there is no limit as to how – you don't even have to buy a girl, in mm. other words. You can get her for nothing. Wow. This is horrific because when you see girls on the street, you sometimes think, okay, they've – okay. As we discussed before the show, they might have very bad or not supportive backgrounds and mother, daughter, a lot of deep issues and alcohol, whatever, self-esteem low. But actually what you're saying, we're seeing those girls on the streets and they're very high chances. They're not even working for themselves. They're not even, they're not even making money. So they're exactly. not, so it's not even like, you know, they can say, okay, this is my choice. And, and we've discussed it before the show. It was an interesting thing you said to me. You said, do you really believe prostitution is a choice? Yeah, I don't. I personally don't. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but very few people has actually that I've we've met said yeah. to us, "Yeah, I wouldn't take it back." Yeah. Remember like that amazing yeah, we courtesan. Did, we did an an interview with an amazing woman who the first time she was involved in prostitution was not a choice and then realized what she could do with it and actually paid for a business and enough money to put herself through university and then got out. Yeah. And has a very successful business today and family. I love that. I love the idea of exit strategy. Because it was strategy. really, it was exit a choice, strategy. but it was a very conscious exactly. and carefully thought out process choice. that this is how I can get where I want. And you see, we, we, we consider them broken, if you understand. Yeah. So let's just say they get out and they want to start a normal life. Mm. We were at Sexpo last year. <clears throat> and your the, campaigns, by the way, are really unbelievably. They make you. they make a, such a change in people's understanding. Thank you. It's, I, it's still from three years ago. I still remember the their well, stand was the best. We 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 were sitting opposite another stand, and a young girl came, and she had nothing on except uh, they put a mask on her face, and she was on a wheel, and they were spinning her around, and they were you know whipping her, mm. and it was all love tapping and every, everything. And she had an orgasm while she was on this wheel. And there must have been about 120, 130 people taking a video of this whole thing happening. And I said, you know, even afterwards, if, if she decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. There's over 120 people that have put her video out there. And she's broken, you know. Um, the guy that takes her up is going to be a very special man. Yeah. That'll take her with all her brokenness and put her together again. And we just... Those men are so few and far mm. between that my heart broke for her. You know, years ago I read an, uh, a book that had in-depth interviews with a couple of female porn stars. And it was the history of their lives, their education, how they got into porn, what they did. And one of the questions was, what advice would you give to a young woman wanting to do this? And they'd all been very successful at it. And some of them had gone into education after this. And they said the one thing you have to know is once you have filmed something, it is there forever. That's right. So that's the first thing you need to be aware of, that it is there forever. And in today's world, that is going to come out somewhere. Exactly. Mm. That's a given. And they said regardless of anything else, Know that that is the single most important thing that you need to know. Once you film one scene, it's there. That's it. And in the theater of the erotic that we run in sex, but we make it very clear, there are no cameras, there are no films. People are there because of their personal sexual experience and expression. It's not for anybody else to impinge on that. You've discussed and you've opened the idea of what can be done more. What do you need? What is the, what are the yeah. things that you are looking for? Legal advice you've mentioned. Yeah, you know, um, I just find it even our legal system is a little bit unbalanced. A little bit? <laughs> Maybe a lot. Unbalanced <laughs> uh, when it comes to even women that have separated or divorced from their husbands. Tell us the story you told us just now. We had a young girl. Um, she got a, a letter to go to high court. She went to high court. Her husband was there with all his lawyers. She was there alone. And they took her baby away from her, her little girl, a little, you know, she's eight years old, but it's her baby. It's her little, and, and now she's fighting and, and appealing and everything. And we, we trying to make sure that she's got a What's good lawyer. What's the background to that? Well, they divorced and it's not an acrimonious divorce. And the husband's up here and she's far away. And, um, so he wanted the child. Ugh, 
you know, both parents think that they're the better parent. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what you do. But the whole thing is that very often the child becomes this pawn in this yeah. whole big thing. And, and yeah, I think we make some bad decisions and then we get into a lot of trouble and there's nobody helping. There's nobody standing next to her. She, she's just outside the threshold of the legal aid. So she can't go to legal aid and she just simply hasn't got the money to go. She's a single mom trying mm. to make sure that everything happens where she is. Do you, did you get help for her or not yet? You're looking. There is somebody that's probably going to help her in Port Elizabeth, but we, she, you know, there's more than one case of this happening. Of course. So this is a shout out, basically. Yeah, it is. So what, what are the resources that you need? I'm presuming funding is number one. You know what? Funding always, you can never, you never have enough funding, yeah. but it's not our number one. Our number one is we want people to say, to lobby government and say, let's look at if we don't want to have prostitution on our streets and, Everybody phones quick enough to complain there's a woman standing outside my door or whatever. But we, we need to have some exit strategies that are good, that are funded, that these girls can go to education. A lot of them are scared they're going to end up as a domestic servant. Who wants mm. to end up as a domestic servant? They want education. They want to be able to better their life. We, we really do need to use the asset forfeiture money a little bit better, I think. What? What impact would legalizing prostitution have on the trafficking scenario? There are three arguments in this field. The one is decriminalization, which it means that there's still laws that you, that attain to that. Mm. The other one is um, where we are now, which is criminalization, and the other one is the Stockholm thing or the the, the um, Scandinavian idea where you. The selling of sex is legal, but the buying of sex is not. Mm. So you have the whole idea where the John now suddenly becomes the bad guy instead of the prostitute. So we've got all of those those ideas set in. But if you look at what we're doing, how would legalization actually help? Who's going to be in charge of that? Mm. Is is Are we going to see the same cases in Holland where organized crime runs it and rules it? Or... And for, so for me, I don't. I, both models don't work for me. I just say let's fix what's broken here. Mm. If we're saying that prostitution is not shouldn't be an option for girls, we need to replace it with something else. That's number one. And number two, we need to really start saying is the buying and selling of sex actually criminalized in this country? If we haven't ever prosecuted a single John, mm. that means there shouldn't be any prostitution. Because it takes two to tango. And if I can just also just add on, uh, if we really want to uh, be active in helping these uh, these girls, men and women, on the street, um, I remember when I was in station in Krugersdorp, um, they would stand outside my house, and I would come home at night, and they would flash, thinking that I'm a customer yeah. stopping, and and I would chat to them, and they would say, "Well, give me a job, and I will stop this." So I think we need to also become as a society proactive and saying yes if we want these girls and these men off the streets we have to find something for them then to do that because they need bread on the table at With the 45 percent unemployment in south africa yeah. that's a very very yeah. high big high hope yeah and i would yeah. imagine a lot of people when asked to employ somebody like that would be incredibly hesitant well yeah because of the, the because stigma, of the stigma. Uh, yeah. but you know, the, the same thing as they employing must, somebody intelligent people you know Exactly. For sure, they have streets no. wise. They've got degrees. Know. I mean, Margie can, yeah. t- Margie can tell you of stories that, uh, you know, th- they're very well educated. Mm. There's absolutely, um, um, just to add on also, Margie did say funding is not, but if there is listeners that would like mm. to, in a small way, help us, then we've got an SMS number, yeah. cost uh, 30 rand, and I think it will be on the yeah. context, mm. uh, 42290. And uh, you can SMS and just say trafficking is your word, and uh, in, in a small way, you know, thirty rand helps. Thirty rand every every, person, every drop right? fills yeah. the bucket. I say, yeah, and uh, yeah, just become aware, you know, that's absolutely push those SMSs. Just yeah. go, 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 go. Yeah, you know, when we talked about the graduates as well, mm. you know, one some of the young girls actually started this prostitution business to actually get funding for university. Mm. So they they do it and, and they, they tell themselves, I'm going to finish this. Once I've got my degree, I'm not going back. 
But, you know, once they've got their degree, they've already so entrenched in that life, they can't leave it. And the money becomes easy money in a way. Or it's not easy money because I think it's at the price of your soul. Yes, I agree. But it's money. It's money. And usually by that stage, by the time they have the degree, they have a child. Hmm. Usually that's the case. And also you must remember they get a, they get picked up by the police and then this happens. And then the one girl says to me, but you know, my friend is just as bad as me. She's a, she's got a blesser. And I'm thinking. A blesser? Yeah, she's got a guy that looks mm. after her. Ah, a sugar daddy. Yes. yes. Okay. But in South Africa we called it a blesser yes, and blessy. Mm. So, oh. you know, what are we teaching our young people? I mean, but that's, that's, that's exactly it because if you look, there's a lot of women out there that sh- just shows you the psychic of it, the psychology behind. So women that make it a career, not women from human that, you know, that was, were yes. involved as far as I know in human trafficking or prostitution, but they actually grow, raise themselves or with their mothers mm. that took them to beauty pageants or whatever, raise themselves to be somebody's wife. That's right. And then it actually means you're a prisoner. Mm. In some degree, oh, yeah. because you never can really have vulnerability, honesty, you know, trust, all mm. those things we're discussing here every week. You're actually getting into the idea that somebody can control me. And that's just fine. And that is the, the essence of everything rotten, because mm. that's how you actually can draw people to, to do this. You know, I had a chat with a young girl in Shoshanguvi, matric class. I was just talking about human trafficking and we were just dealing with some of these cases. And she was telling me she has a minister of finance. She has a minister of medicine. She has a minister of clothing. The guy, one guy pays her Edgar's account. One guy pays her key care account. And, you know, so it, she had all of these people and they were all different men. So we we wonder how is our HIV status going up and up and up and all the rest of it. These young girls are having five to six partners, sexual partners, for whatever reason. We're going to do a little little metaphoric break. <laughs> yeah, so the idea is that maybe it's a good time to just stop and say, where are, where, where are you? You are a human. That's right. You are a human. Yeah. You deserve to have an opinion, to live for yourself. And this is something that uh, sometimes it kind of gets away because there's no, it's hard to say it, but it comes from home. Yeah. yeah. When your parents don't tell you, you matter. Yeah, but you've got to think about so many of the homes, I would imagine, that these people and girls come from where they have nothing anyway. Yes, exactly. They have nothing, and they can do nothing, and they get told that. Yeah. On a so, regular basis. It's yeah, so for a family with no birth control, you know, we hear stories from India so often of, of girls that are sold there because the family can't support them. Mm-mm. And some of them are just a, a lower class. Mm. So you can't do this, you can't do that. Yeah, I think. And it's been happening for so long. It's become such a part of culture, yes. rightly or wrongly. There's no judgment on it. That's what people do. That's right. That's yeah. exactly what people do. And I think the secret behind this is. You know, there's an old saying there, but by the grace of God go I. I think we need to revisit that. We need to look at each other as if, you know what, you have the same worth that I have. Mm. When I chat to these prostituted women, uh, I can't tell you how much respect I have for Mm. them and how how much affection I have for them because I think this is a mom just trying to do her best. She's only 18. She's got a child. She's making sure that that child's going to get fed. And and she doesn't. She has dreams. And she has. We we picked up one young girl. She was 16. And I said to her, "What do you want to be?" She said, "I want to be a pilot." Mm. And I thought, "Wow, you can be that. You know, nothing's going to stop you." If, but but she was at that stage already with HIV. So. It's so, so, so sad. And so much of this then is also the education of men. You know, what are we teaching men? What kind of men Mm. are we bringing up in our world? What are we breeding? Because from the stories that you've heard, it's this whole supply and demand thing. If somebody has a need for something, they are going to find it somewhere. That's right. Somebody wants to abuse a person in that way, they are going to find the person to abuse. So. So much of that is is what we're breeding men, and it really, the idea of, 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 you know, what conscious sexuality teaches and and how to be, and we've done shows on rape, on domestic violence in in areas like Dipslert. And so much of this is, it's just about 
the expression of power of one right. human being over another. That's yeah. all that it is. It's not about sex. It's not about – it's just the power over a human being. So how powerless do we have to feel within ourselves – to have to exercise that in that way Exactly It's fathers It's fathers modeling the role to and their sons Yeah, and we look at our men Start at home And there are weak leaders yeah. in our world Religiously, yeah. politically yeah. Look yeah. at what happened in America With yeah. this health bill that's been yeah. passed yeah. And all these men walk out and go and celebrate yeah. That 24 million people lose health care Crazy yeah. And that's... The, there's no, Sorry. it's not strength. I think the saddest thing I once heard is, Margaret, when we were in Cape Town and we spoke to Griselda, and, and she said, I can give you 10 members of parliament now, at least, who is my customers, or who were my customers. Oh, for sure. And, mm. and I, and that to me was just, just showed where we are, mm. even as a country, and we wonder why things go wrong. In the country, you know, but the yeah, it's 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 role model exactly at home. Yeah, it is. It starts do, at home. How do you talk to your your siblings? Mm. Your um, how do boys and girls talk to one another? How you know there was a time? I know it's it's like a, a silly example, but there was a time when you'd walk into a room and men would stand, mm. and they would say, "Here's a seat." Mm. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm-mm. There was at the same time when you could shake somebody's hand and know that they're going to keep their word. Mm. It's just basic stuff. It's going back to what we were taught when we were tiny. Mm. And um, we, we're coming up to Mother's Day and then Father's Day the following month. And I just think one of the saddest things for me about South Africa is that we have a lot of absentee fathers. Yeah. Whether it's for going away for work or whatever, even parents, we have absentee mothers, children being brought up by their grandparents yeah. and and angry because their mothers and fathers are not around to protect them or to be with yeah. them or to whatever. I talk about that a lot, that we have this entire generations of angry men. Yes. And the only way they can get that out yes. often is taking it out on somebody else because they are so unfulfilled within themselves. Right. <laughs> And more and more I come to see that we don't change by what we do. We don't change our world by what we do. We change it by who we are. I agree. Exactly. We change it by what's in our heart, what's in our spirit. That's right. Not what we do because what we do becomes an extension of that. That's right. Mm. That's right. Mm. And that's, that's right. where change happens. That's very true. That's very, very true. We know we rescued a whole a group of fishermen um, in Cape Town. And they were telling us the most horrific stories. They hadn't been paid for the whole time that they had been out at sea. And um, if somebody got sick, they were just thrown overboard. You know, so they get into Cape Town Harbor. Now the, the, the ship is in, impounded because there's money missing or whatever. And those guys came out. We had a we have a, a shelter in um, Victoria, in, no, in Cape Town, in, in Cape Town for men. And um, so the men mm. went. Into that shelter, but just imagine here. Here's the breadwinner. He's got to go home. We eventually, you know, IOM and all sorts of organisations helped him get home, but he's going to go home without money, even though he's been away for this long time. Mm. So he gets home, and I'm not saying that this happens, but what could easily have happened? He gets home. He's angry. He's disappointed in himself. His wife says to him, "Where's the money?" And abuse happens. It's you know, we're looking back and we're thinking, where did this all go wrong? Mm. And it went wrong inside a heart that was so broken already. Yeah. So I think we're a broken world. We are. And, and I, th- you know, every little person that's whole helps it heal. Yeah. And we do that by, by being. Hmm. And it's, you right. know, my model of the world is that, that it's, everything is an energy and we're all connected on that level. The more we are in our own hearts with love, with openness, the more that goes out and allows for more of that in the world. Look, you know, we're faith-based, so um, we have a very strong religious hold in our, in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just feel that if God created all of us in his likeness and we're all perfect, who am I to say that? You shouldn't look the way you look, or you shouldn't dress the way you dress, or you shouldn't be the way you've been. 
because I don't believe that God's just like me. Mm. You know, I believe that God and the expression of people is the uh, the expression of God and who he is. Yep. So when we go out onto the street, we don't talk about rescuing. Our ladies are so sick and tired of hearing the word rescue because they say nobody really rescues them. Mm. So we talk about the fact that you need a return. We, we've mm. got an R with a root. And, and you need to return to who you are, who God intended you to be, and what God intended you to be. And if he's, he created you in his likeness, it means he wants you to be like him. And, and that's whole, and that's beautiful. And then we talk about um, the whole idea of reintegration into society. And that's not easy. It's not easy even if you you have been a prostitute for a very short Time, You know, we rescued some Thai girls. They were only in prostitution for three months. But those three months broke them, mm. destroyed sure. them. Some of them were gang raped. You know, we've, we've, I've chatted to girls who don't know who their father of their children are. So when that child grows up and says, I want to meet my dad, I don't know who he is. Margie and Karen, thank you. Sorry, we kept you a little bit longer. You need to go, but no, no. Uh, but this is important. We, we are going to all really your thank you, yeah. and I'd like to offer this platform in any way we can. Thank you, thanks to help Appreciate you. That. And if there is a way that in the future we can come to the streets, please. talk to people. Yeah, if yeah. You need, yeah let's do the do. let's do it properly. Yeah. Thank you. It'll be great. Thank you very much. Well, Pleasure. We'll check you. And everybody all, all can your help. contact details yeah, will go out on our social media. Yeah, everything is on you. So thank you. Thank you. So let's go somewhere just a little different for a moment. <laughs> In a way, you know, Jonti, when you when you talk to those folks, to those parents, you know, people come to you to workshops, to retreats, to lessons, to free talks. They want to change their perspective. In a way, it's the other side of the circle maybe, but it that still is. is you know, it's a part of human. It's all... The spectrum of being human and the more that we can be in our own hearts, the more we will change things simply by the way that we be. And that for me just affirms the work and the journey. So we have a whole lot of workshops coming up that are on Facebook, a beautiful event for couples, a tantric heart-centered massage weekend at Zebra's Crossing. And for the first time in a couple of years, I will be teaching in Cape Town in June. That's also up on Facebook, and I'm really That's looking great. forward to sharing with you there. Um, May is masturbation month. We're all wankers. <laughs> so next Friday, we are going to be wankers, and anybody who wants to come in the studio. Uh, no, no bodily fluids. Sorry. No bodily fluids. Yeah, so well bring you your own towels. Just, no, just be in like a huge condom, maybe a big bubble. <laughs> <Your own Just. laughs> so we have to balance so, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So next we'll week, find interesting ways so to look into week masturbation. Is, uh, how you can really elevate your self-pleasuring to making love with yourself. Take it beyond that little kind of... If men knew that... 10-second orgasm. Seriously, there will be much less problems. 100%. We can do so much more. So that's what we are talking Sorry, about men, next week. True. So share your stories with us. What's the weirdest place you have masturbated <laughs> oh, in? I'm like, I'm still going to share with us how you can help us with the Salvation Army fight. But okay, we can do both. We can it's do fine. both. We can do both. And uh, I just wish you all so much pleasure. Cliffcentral.com